Welcome to the Collective Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, please visit thecollectivechurch.ca.ca. I had a really great week this last week. Um, you know, we mentioned that the FMI time was happening, the spring conference at Breakthrough Life. Uh, and so I went from Tuesday to uh, Thursday to, uh, to that. And it was just such a wonderful, diverse time. You know, there's part of their network is guys from, there were guys from Burundi, um, Uganda, Zambia, Zim, uh, South Africa, the guy was speaking from Canada. So all of this diversity of, of African nations, Canada, and then within South Africa, I mean, it's a, it's a motley bunch, you know, from Kokstadt and Kroenstadt and Fulunskroen and Takestadt and Joburg and Parktown North were there. And um, it was just such a, a, a rich, diverse time. And I just like contrasting to that, the thing of xenophobia that's been happening over the last while, I could not help but this thought of loving others couldn't help but coming up. So out of this experience that I was having there of just such diversity and union and love of brothers within a network and true honor, and then you see xenophobia happening down the road. It's like, how can you not think of love and when there's such hate down the road? And you know, you two, who's a very important band to us, Kirsty and myself, because for some reason or another, like for the last 20 years, you two have always come in with a soundtrack or a theme song for our lives, where we've been at various points, literally for the last uh, 20 years. And some moments, I mean, I'll maybe shared another time, where they've, they've spoken so deeply into our lives that I've been on an airplane like being ministered to by the Lord with this playing with just tears, you know, just really spoken powerfully. And so there's theme songs and soundtracks for various parts of our life. And one of the last ones that they released or their last one was Songs of Experience. <clears throat> and um, there's a song on there that is, um, that is love is all you have left. Right. And um, one of the lines in there is that you argue and that's like I call that all the strife, whether it's internal, external, um, because you can't accept that love is all we have left. And um, there's a, somebody wrote this, I don't know who, it says, Bono suggests to us that all our arguments, whether personal or political, could be avoided by this ultimate spiritual wisdom, that love is all we have left. And that is coming into agreement with 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter where Paul's, Concludes after all of the stuff that you've done, these three things remain. Faith, hope, and love. Love is all we have left. It's the thing that's going to endure. And so I wanted to play that song. Amila, if you could get that up. Just to, yeah, just to, sometimes like hearing something or seeing something, it just brings it home and it helps us remember. So I just wanted to play that. It's about a two-minute um, two song from about 50 there. You can go for it, Mila.
pause me before it plays you something else from YouTube. You know what jumps out at me? That one line, this is no time not to be alive. This is a good time for us to be alive on this planet. You know, and that other thing of like there's seven billion stars. There's seven billion anguished souls on this planet that are crying out for love. Two and a half billion odd, I think they did a census probably in about 2010 or so, Christians. Many of those seven billion are actually, well, two and a half billion are Christians, but many of those are still anguished because they haven't understood and they haven't been able to tap into experiencing true love from the Father. And what is the answer? The other thing he says there, a baby cries on a doorstep. In a manger, Jesus came to a doorstep where there was no space for him. He enters the scene and love is made tangible. Um, if you can put it onto that other slide, just so people can read along, Mila. The, this is something that uh, Bono was uh, said in conversations with Mitchka Asayas, I think you pronounce it. And he says, love needs to find form. Intimacy needs to be whispered. To me, it makes sense. It's actually logical. It's pure logic. Essence has to manifest itself. It's inevitable. Love has to become an action or something concrete. It would have to happen. There must be an incarnation. Love must be made flesh. And in 1 John 14, it says, the word did become, become flesh. Jesus entered the scene. Fully God and yet fully man. Fully God, love being his very essence, right? Love itself made its way into this planet. And so what did the word made flesh come and say to us as he arrived? Jesus. What was his, his great commandment to us? Love God and love each other, right? So I wanted to read from uh, Mark 28. Um, I'm going to read a, a couple of versions to you quickly this morning. Um, Mark um, 12, verse 28, <clears throat> the most important commandment. It says, Now a certain religious scholar overheard them debating. When he saw how beautifully Jesus answered all their questions, he posed one of his own and asked them, Teacher, which commandment is greatest of all? Jesus answered him, The most important of all the commandments is this. The Lord Yahweh our God is one. You are to love the Lord Yahweh your God with every passion of your heart, with every energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you, and with all your strength. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is this. You must love your neighbor, that's the person that's either your friend or that's closest to you in proximity, the same way that you love yourself. You will never find a greater commandment than this. So there are two commandments, love God and love others. But what, what, what amazes me there is that the, this, that scholar there asked Jesus, what's the one, what's the greatest commandment? He's trying to narrow it down to like, hey, what's the most important? He asks one but Jesus gives him two, right? Have you thought about that before? Why did Jesus give him two? I don't know, maybe Jesus always gives us more than we ask for, one. <laughs> or secondly, and listen to this, that loving each other is as important 
as loving God. Right? The scholar asks for one. Jesus says, oh, I can't actually give you one. I need to give you these two because they go hand in hand. They're part and parcel. Love God, love each other. Loving each other is as important as it is in loving, as loving God. Think about that. You can't love God and not love others. Right? 1 John 4 verse 20 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother is a liar. And then in John 13, 35, what Jesus says, how we will be known. We will be known for our love for one another, right? It says, for when you demonstrate the same love I have for you, by loving one another, everyone will know you my true followers. That is the thing that's going to distinguish us. Our love for each other is the distinguishing factor. We can't separate this. And so loving each other is core to our life in Jesus. It's not additional. It's core, right? It's like, whoa. Think about that in the context of an age where, an age of division, where we so quickly write off our brother or sister because they have a different opinion to us. They have a different theology to us. They, they're not like us. They're different. They have a different style even. And so you're like, oh no, yeah, that's not, not mine. And we write people off. And I wanted to say, friends, that those that are not like us, and this is one of the key things I want to drive home today, are the exact ones that we need, right? So you might look, be looking for people that look like you or have the similar interests, but the ones that are different are the exact ones that we need in order to take us into what the Lord has for us. You know, I've had a couple of people in our, our history where that person's just like kind of, it's like not my style, or he's pushed my buttons and like, oh, I don't really gel with that person. But there's a couple, probably about three, that started off like that. That person's like, oh, no, thank you very much. You know, those people have become the people that have spoken some of, not the only ones, but the Lord has used them to become very good friends. And the Lord has used them to speak in and bring and unlock incredible stuff in my life, Right. The very one that I thought, oh, no, not mine, is the one that Lord's, no, no, no. Like, take down your bias. I'm going to put you as a good friend to you. And, yeah, we need to come back to the main thing. What is the main thing? The main thing of our Christianity is loving God and loving others. And so why does Jesus say, love others like you, like you love yourself? Because he knows how much we love ourselves, right? Even if we don't really love ourselves, and that's something that I feel that the Father is wanting us to do, is we need to learn how to love ourselves the way he sees us um, and the way he loves us. We need to learn, because I think we don't really always know how to love ourselves well. But we certainly know how to take care of our basic needs, right? If, you, if that's a way of looking at loving yourself. I get hungry. I don't just like forget about it. I fulfill, I go and look for food and I make sure that I get something to eat. We fulfill and we look after ourselves by, um, by looking after our basic needs. And loving others often looks like that. It looks like just fulfilling a basic need that they might have. Often. Think about it. 
Lord, when did we see you? You know, when did we give you a cup of water? When did we visit you in prison? He's like, no, no. Do you see that? How he's like, no, no, Jesus, he was in that person that's across from you. It often looks like that, looking after the basic needs of others. And, you know, I mean, I've got to be real. We are living in an age where it's me, myself, and I. Like, I'm a very selfish person. Everything in culture lifts up who I am for me to be the center of everything. It must happen on my terms, when I want, how I want, comfortable. Everything is geared to that, right? I mean, I don't know, many of you have probably built it out at a New Year's party or something. Bon Jovi, it's my life, you know? It's my life, you know? And I'll, basically, I'll, I'll do what I want to. Culture celebrates that, right? It actually sets you up and says, like, no, no, things are actually coming into alignment when you are king of your universe and looking after yourself, where I come first. Not you. Sorry, Mads. You look after myself first, you know? Um, and the question comes up, like, is it even possible to love you like I love myself? Right? And there's two answers to that. I say firstly, no. And then secondly, yes. There is some good news. Because of the good news, because of what Jesus has done, he's made it possible. He didn't give us a task that's completely you know, impossible to, to achieve. And so I wanted to read from um, another version from, of that from Matthew 22. When the Pharisee heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they called a meeting to discuss how to trap Jesus. Then one of them, a religious scholar, posed this question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus answered him, Love the Lord your God with every passion of your heart, with the, all the energy of your being, and with every thought that is within you. This is the great and supreme commandment. And the second is like it in importance. See, as important, Jesus says it's like it in importance that we love each other. You must love your friend in the same way you love yourself. Contained within these two commandments, to love, you will find all the meaning of the law and the prophets. Right? So he's just taken the whole of the Old Testament pretty much. Because the law and the prophets, the law was the five, first five books of, of um, the Bible, Genesis, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, Numbers. That was where the law got put in. And in the, whatever, 13, 15 prophet books after that is what the prophets are. So he's basically just taken the whole of the Old Covenant has just been answered in this thing called love. And who is Jesus? Love. He came to fulfill the law. And I wanted to, I'm going to play you a little excerpt um, from the Bible Project. Because as I was preparing this and I came across this, it's just like, oh, it answers and explains it so beautifully. Um, this understanding of what we could never accomplish on our own, Jesus came to fulfill. You'll see that in those five, in the Torah, the first five books, 613 commandments get given. Now you realize why it was impossible. I think some of us here realize like, oh, it was only the 10 commandments that we had to try and keep. 613 laws make up the law. If you break one of those things, you're done. You know, it's impossible. Can you play that, Mila? You're most likely familiar with the Ten Commandments in the Bible, stuff we generally take as good advice. Don't murder, don't steal, honor your parents, the list goes on. And those are just the first ten. There are actually a total of 613 commands, all given to ancient Israel, found in the first five books of the Bible, which 
Great Bible project. Do you guys know it? Hey, it just makes things so clear. They just tell incredible stories. Isn't it beautiful? The way Jesus comes and gives us the Holy Spirit. You saw that, like the transformation. We become completely new. He makes it possible something that was completely impossible to do. Maybe some of us here today are feeling like, oh, even now it feels impossible and it's the Holy Spirit that gives us the supernatural ability to love. Why? Because our hearts that were stone have actually become hearts of, of flesh and I love the way Jesus uses the same story in Luke to, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but he uses that same story in Luke to explain the gospel message, right? So the scholar asks him, etc., etc. 
And then he wants to, like, no, he wants to try and justify himself. So it says, wanting to justify himself, he questioned Jesus further, saying, what do you mean by my neighbor? Tricky. is like, no, no, this is too hard. Who's my neighbor? Jesus replied, listen, and I will tell you, there was once a Jewish man traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho when bandits robbed him along the way. They beat him severely, stripping him naked and left him half dead. Soon a Jewish priest walking down the same road came upon the wounded man. Seeing him from a distance, the priest crossed over to the other side of the road and walked right past him, not turning to help him one bit. Later, a religious man, a Levite, came walking down the same road and likewise crossed over to the other side to pass by the wounded man without stopping to help him. Finally, and this is where the, the gospel comes in, a Samaritan comes along, like a savior, came upon the bleeding man and was moved with tender compassion for him. He stooped down and gave him first aid. Isn't that what Jesus does with us? He stooped down and met us in our absolute brokenness and despair, in the dirt, in our difficulties, pouring olive oil on his wounds, disinfecting them with wine. We've been made completely pure by Jesus, by the wine, by the blood of Jesus, completely disinfected us, made us completely new, and bandaging them to stop the bleeding. You know that scripture, he came to bind up the brokenhearted? He has healed our hearts. And then lifting him up, he placed him on his very own donkey and brought him to an inn. Then he took him from this, his donkey and carried him to a room for the night. The next morning, he took his, very, his mo own money from his wallet and gave it to the innkeeper with these words, take care of him until I come back from my journey. He's coming back. If it costs more than this, I will pay repay you when I return. So in there, Jesus explains the gospel, the innkeeper, it's the Holy Spirit. He's given the Holy Spirit. He's lifted us up into the inn, right hand of the Father, but he's left us not alone, not as orphans, with the Holy Spirit. Not just with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit's been given. Jesus, in that thing, opened his very wallet. All the riches of heaven have been given to the Holy Spirit to take care of you and empower you and look after you fully, full price paid until he returns one day from his journey. And if anything's lacking, he will take care of that as well. Isn't that wonderful? Friends, in the new covenant, we have been given a new heart. In the old covenant, it was impossible to love. It's not something that you could do. So in this new covenant, we get to open up our hearts to Holy Spirit and be completely changed. Because everything changes under the new covenant. The way he, God relates with people and how we relate to each other. Everything changes under the new covenant uh, with people and things. The new covenant, Jesus brings everything together. right? So the old covenant, everything was dislocated and broken. We couldn't do it. In the new covenant and separation from people, under the new covenant, we made completely he pulls everything together um, I'll read from Colossians 1 from the message telling us explaining this how Christ holds it all together it says we look at the Sun and see the God who cannot be seen 
We look at the sun and see God's original purpose in everything created. For everything, absolutely everything, above and below, visible, invisible, rank after rank of, of angels, everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes it and holds it together like a head does a body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade, he's supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything, everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but listen, all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe, people and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies. Under the new covenant, us together get fitted together and fixed and get to work in a vibrant harmony, the same way our souls get to respond to Jesus in a vibrant harmony of being made whole. So together, all of those pieces come together in Jesus. You know, under the old covenant, there were insiders and there were outsiders. There were Jews, and then it was us, the Gentiles. Like, we had no hope, right? We weren't even in the, um, we weren't even on the playing field. But under the new covenant, he goes and joins us all together. Outsiders, insiders, Jews, he joins them up. And that was massive disruption. Because under the law, legally, I could dissociate myself from you if I was a Jew and you were a Gentile. It was legal to be distant. Now it's completely disrupted. It's like, no, no, there's something brand new. We all designed to be together and made as, as one. And so our, now our very design means we need each other. That's why he describes us as a body, right? It's not just individuals. We can't just do our own thing. We can't just internet church. You know, it's just, it's not the way it was made. Our very design means we need each other. We cannot flourish on our own. You know, naturally we love and look after our own bodies, naturally. Under the new covenant, we ask to continue to love and look after our own bodies. The only difference now is that Sean is part of my body, right? It's not like, oh, love others like I love myself. No, no. Under the new covenant, Sean is now my brother. Sebastian is my brother and brother-in-law. But, <laughs> but brother, Brian is my brother. You know, I can't, Colleen is my sister. I cannot disassociate. It's not like, hey, bro, like a colloquial term. No, no. I cannot dissociate myself because we are brothers, we are linked together, and we are fitted together in these vibrant harmonies. And what about those that are not our brothers yet? We get to love them as if they were our brothers. So basically, it's just love, 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 love. It's this massive love fest. <laughs> Nothing but love. That's all that remains, right? But the thing, is, the thing I'm wanting to, to emphasize today is that we need each other. I need you. You know, I can't do what the Lord has called me to do without you. We need each other because we'll never walk into what we have on our own. We can only become what we were designed to be in community uh, with others. 
because that's how we were, we were made. And I just want to give a little bit of a story just to emphasize this. You know, some of those odd guys that I, I mentioned earlier, the Lord used to draw me in and pull somebody else in. And I've gotten an incredible, probably about three years ago, a prophetic word from someone that I would never have been in that church if it wasn't for this man, right? And I got a, a prophetic word that set me on a, like, brought, set me on a new course. If I was at home, I wouldn't have received that. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have received that. Can God speak to me at home? Absolutely. But he chooses to use each other. That's, just, that's the design. He made it a body, you know? And so, can he? Yes, he can, but he won't. Because we're not flowing in vibrant harmony then if we're being loners, right? So I was at that, so I got this, this word, right? Then, what, a year and a half ago, the Lord leads a beautiful couple, Gina and Philip, into this community, right? And knits us together, and we love them, and it's like, wow. And then, because of that, the Lord speaks to Gina and says, no, like, like and Gina's like scheming for months, like, oh, you need to meet this other person that I know. Her, her name's Susie. And so for months, Gina schemed to get Susie together in a room with Kirsty and ourselves, which she finally managed to do, probably maybe two months ago. And I got another word from Susie, who doesn't know us from a bar of soap, that confirmed the other word and gave us a whole new bunch of things, a new trajectory that we need to move on, right? Again, like another whole world that's opening up, plus a confirmation of that word. You see how he used Gina in that moment to, to bring somebody else into our lives that's just not, and we flower, right? Now, this week, um, at the conference, another guy, at first I didn't really connect with John. God used him to draw us into this time. I wouldn't have been at this conference this week if it wasn't for John, right? And in that moment, again, because of John, who met a guy called Robert Kinsella a couple of years ago, he gets brought into the same room, he's speaking and he's in the conference. And I got such an impartation over two, two separate occasions at that conference that I am never going to be the same again. He has set us on a completely new trajectory in terms of confirming words and opening up a whole new, whole new bunch of things that I promise you I could never have dreamed up on my own. And I would never have got, even in my quiet time, in my room. Not because he can't, but because he's chosen a different way of, of us needing each other. Um, you know, this guy, Robert, was such an, an also an unusual guy. Like, he's not a circular, he's not a lineal teacher. He's just like circular all over the place. That, to the point where on Wednesday or Tuesday night or Wednesday night, I was like, Lord, I can't understand a word that is coming out of this man's mouth. Okay, yes, there's a nugget here, there's a nugget there, but it was almost like it was gobbledygook. And I felt the Lord say to me, he's like, you don't understand a word that's coming out of this man's mouth right now, but I'm going to give you a word, I'm gonna, he's going to give you a word tonight, and you're going to know that it's from me, because it's not like, oh, you're receiving from the wonderful things he's saying. What he speaks to you is going to be from me directly, and that's exactly what happened. Just before the end, I'm like waiting. Okay, Lord, you said that. And he comes and he, he gives, us, uh, gives us that word. There was another guy at the, the conference. They call him the, the big elephant from Zimbabwe. He's this huge, stately um, Zimbabwean preacher. Amazing guy, Tatenda. 
And he was just sharing about the state. So again, like, hey, what's happening with our brothers in that part of the world? It's like we wish, half the country just wishes Mugabe would come back. Because things went from worse, from when Mugabe, the things were bad, and then it got even worse. 95% unemployment. And he's just describing the economy. 595% inflation. You can't even get basic goods. Just things are terrible. So... In, in, in a lot of their churches that they go and visit, 100% unemployment. Not one person with income in a church, right? Let's say this is the church. Not one person here with things. And so like, oh, and, you know, and just hearing that from a, a, a connected brother, you're like, oh my word, he brings clarity. He brings like perspective to our challenges that we are having in. And so we learn from that, right? So we, we, get, we get sharpened by that. After he shares, and, and, and his point was, the church is thriving, right? He's like, in the 19 years that they've been coming to this conference, they've got the biggest delegation of people when things are the worst financially. You know, it's like, how can that be? It's a miracle. It's not like because we've got money, you know, some guys were selling chickens and goats to, to raise funds to come down. But in the worst of the worst, they've got the biggest delegation. He's like, I'm choosing to be here because this is family, you know. And so we like lift it up and like we exhort like, oh my word, Lord, yes, in the most difficult of circumstances, things can flourish. They are flourishing, they're expect, experiencing miracles, right? So that's, so he edifies us. Then John gets up because we need each other, and says, Tatenda obviously didn't ask for this, but we're going to take up an offering now. Oh. Because they had to contend for a piece of land in, in, in Zim. The government, for years, court case, etc., they got the land, but the government said, you need to raise your building in two years. Okay? They're halfway through that period process, and they're only up to lintel height. They need another 7,000 US dollars to complete the structure and that so that they finish it before that two years deadline is up you know and so what happens like literally within minutes uh, John comes up he's like we've already got we're already halfway you know they, before they even finish taking the collection obviously somebody came and said listen I'm I'm going to do whatever three and a half thousand US dollars gave in that you know and us as a church we are giving into that building project so we have an inheritance here of helping lift up that and complete yeah. that church, you know? So that's some of the stuff that your tithes and offerings, and that's part of your inheritance of what we're doing there, you know? But you just realize that if, if he hadn't shared, others wouldn't have been edified. They wouldn't have been, encouraged, give, been given courage to go through their difficulty that they're going through. Uh, John wouldn't have responded. He didn't ask for it. Now suddenly they've got a, they're going to have a finished church because of using each other. If he had stayed home, because it's Mugabe's funeral, and you know, that's, there's lots happening in Zim, instead of sacrificing to come, that wouldn't have happened, right? God uses us in such beautiful harmonies. Okay, I think I'm going to skip that story. So how do we love God and love each other? I think we need to realize that we have been given a brand new operating system. It was like this instant upgrade. Like one day, you were a PC, and then you were a Mac, right? Overnight, instant upgrade. 
It could go the other way around, depending on your preference. The point is, you have a new operating system, right? The things that worked here do not work here anymore. We've been made completely brand new. We've been given a, a completely new operating system, a completely new heart of flesh that enables us with the Holy Spirit to love in this. Now, I mean, I don't know if you've ever moved from an one operating system, if you've ever done that. I think I did that about, I don't know, about 15 years ago now. Moved from PC. What used to work there, all your shortcuts, all of your learned habitual things of where to find things, of prompts and shortcuts to go between programs and that, it doesn't work anymore, right? And so it's, it's the same thing. When we, when we find our new nature, we are brand new, but we've got, rem we've got memories and automatic things that we used to think that, oh, so we try that, and it's like, oh, no, that didn't work, you know? And that's what the Holy Spirit is with. No, no, that doesn't work here anymore. Like getting offended by somebody, one of you, and then just like, pah, and writing you off, and just disconnecting because, like, forget you, you offended me, I've got full rights just to move on. Thank you very much. You're forgiven, but I won't forget. You know? It doesn't work anymore under this operating system. You are completely new. You've got completely, and that's what we get to say, is like, Holy Spirit, in this operating system, show me, how do we love? How do we get to, how do we do this thing that's completely supernatural? Because I'm still trying to do my old shortcuts here. I'm still trying to live my life in my learned patterns under the old operating system. No, no, in this new way, I need to be shown. No, no, that shortcut doesn't work anymore. This is how you do it. It's old tab here, you know? And you find, oh, wow, that works. Oh, oh, wow, this is amazing. Much better than what that used to be or what this used to be, whatever your preference is. So literally, I just want to, I want us to simplify this very complicated life that we've made. It's an encouragement today just to come back to the basics of loving each other. Because when that happens, things just work, right? Heaven comes and God's kingdom is, is demonstrated. And so all of the things that we've complicated, all of the wonderful things that we're doing, in church, you know, 1 Corinthians, all of the things that, the good things, the spiritual gifts, tongues, prophecies, words of knowledge, if I martyr myself, if I give all of our money away to build the church in Zim, all of those things come to naught if there's not love. Yet it's the one thing that we've been so comfortable just to say, you know, move on. Division, division, it's an evil thing. It's not God's kingdom. And we're being brought back into restoration of working together as brothers. We need each other, friends. And so I'd like us to, to stand and just as we finish, and I'd like us to make some declarations. I'd like us to stand <laughs> as we finish. And I want to I make a couple of declarations, and I, I can't do it for you. Do you know how powerful you are in Jesus? 
we are all wells here, right? Although we need each other, we don't need each other. We won't need anyone to teach us, so to speak. It's this tension because the Holy Spirit will come in and fill you. You are powerful and you get to make a decision and, a, and an invitation to make declarations as a new, as a new, um, as a new creation that carries a lot of weight with it. And so I would like us each to, to make two declarations. One, to open our heart to Jesus and Holy Spirit. Like literally say, Jesus, come in like a tsunami. And I pray, that's what I was saying when we started. I'm praying for a fresh baptism of his love. You cannot love if you haven't experienced his love. This is not a, a high jump. This is not a, oh, I better try and love now. No, no, no. That's what they couldn't achieve in the Old Testament. This is achievable. It's not a striving. So I just pray that we will, one, that we will just say, Jesus, come in like a tsunami and, and just baptize me in your love, that you would experience his love right now. And then secondly, that we would... Just open our hearts, and can we repent from our independence? Can we re just repent from our independence? I don't need you. Why do I need you, or you, or you, you know? This thing of like me, myself, I, and I promise you the Lord's stripping away at Kirsty and myself over the last, last while, 18 months, whatever. There's been a, an active process of like, oh, I'm so selfish. I'm so selfish and strip away, strip away, strip away. And it's actually such a beautiful, beautiful, it's painful, but it's beautiful. That we would acknowledge our need for each other. And I'd like you to pay special attention to those that are not like you. Pay special attention to those that have a different gifting to you. If you're a prophetic person, don't just look for prophetic people. If you're a worshiper, don't just look for other worshipers. If you're a teacher, etc., etc. Eric Johnson was saying, only when the fivefold ministry that is so diverse, if you've ever been to a church that's led by a prophet or an apostle or a teacher or a pastor, they're so different. But when they start working together, oh my word, Heaven comes to earth and the body is fully, fully matured. Look for those that are different around you because that's when you're going to come into the fullness of who the Lord is trying to, is, is bringing you into. Can we close our eyes for a moment? I'd like you to pray your own prayers because I can't pray a prayer on your behalf. I can pray for you, but only when you make your own declarations. So, why don't you just spend a moment and just ask the Lord to open your heart for His love to, to come and baptize you, and then secondly, to, to repent from our independence and just acknowledge our need for each other. So Father, I just pray right now that you would just, 
there would be such a download of your love in this room. Father, I pray for surrendered hearts. I pray that there would be such a download. Holy Spirit, the innkeeper that looks after us, the paracletus, the another savior that comes and just fills us and empowers us. I pray for a, a fresh baptism in your love this, this morning, Lord. I pray that you would tangibly come and rest. The way people acknowledged when your spirit landed on Jesus, people acknowledged it. It was noticeable. At Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came and rested on each and every person, it was noticeable. So Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you come and fill every single heart that is crying out and asking for your presence right now. Those that are waiting on you now, Holy Spirit, come and fill. I pray for just overwhelming sense of your love and your goodness that there would be an overflow, an overflowing as we leave this, this house this morning, that there would be an overflowing of your goodness and love and a knowledge, a knowing, an inside deep knowing and experience of your love. And then Holy Spirit, I pray that you come and do a miracle. Come and open our eyes to, to see our brothers and sisters around us. That it's not an us and a them. It's just an us. There's one body. And Father, I just pray that you would take this small seed, this planting today, and I pray that you would water it. I pray for a flourishing. I pray for, for hearts that will be connected. This is not overnight. This is a growing. This is a journey. It's not a destination. And I just pray, Father, that you would take the small seed of us saying we need each other. We need you. We need each other. And I pray that you would water it. I pray for the testimony of this community, of this church, to have such incredible unity and restoration, Father God, of relationships. Even beyond that it would go from this church out, that you would do a miraculous work, Father. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit thecollectivechurch.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.ca.